Welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bymel. The Real Estate Lowdown is your weekly opportunity to step into the conversations going on in today's real estate and mortgage markets. We explore terms and concepts of the industry, host interviews of intriguing industry cohorts from high net worth investors to real estate agents just making their mark. We will share our love of all things real estate, bringing you the most innovative and sustainable real estate lifestyle ideas each and every week. If you enjoy what you hear today, hit the follow button, subscribe, so you don't miss an episode, and please share your support with a quick review. You can find me on the web at billbymel.com, and thanks for joining this episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. Barry Owens, I am so glad to have you on the Real Estate Lowdown. Oh, thanks for yeah, great to be here, Bill. Appreciate it. You know, we've known each other a long time, but we've really only become super, super close in the last two years. You know, it was that I think it was some of that time that we were in Miami together at the Cadillac Hotel during what was that? I one of the SFIGs or something like that or structured fire. Yeah, SFIG or IMN, yeah. One one of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The back patio of the Cadillac. <laughs> oh man, what's fun, you know, and it's just great because you know, you like I, I think that what attracts you to we obviously share a lot in common personally, but you know, I think that there's like a vigor to our work. Like, I really like, you know, getting out on the road and you beat my frequent flyer status by a ton. How many days? Tell us about that. Tell us about how much time. Yeah, so actually, I've just calmed it down a little bit because it was insane. I mean, it was four to six trips a month, every month. And, you know, a lot of those when I, well, okay, well, that's a lot, but it's not a ton, but there would be trips, you know, I, I'm actually in Vegas right now, but there was a trip last year where I came into Vegas for a conference. As I'm here, somebody mentions another conference. And so that's like starts the day after I'm supposed to leave. Well, okay, well, I'll stay for that one. And then literally there was another one right after that. So like what was one trip ended up being like two and a half weeks of just straight Vegas time getting through these conferences. So there's so many opportunities out there you know, especially with what we're doing on with our company, there's so many different avenues that we can pursue, you know, whether that's in the notes or the single family rental or the traditional mortgage, it, they just kind of compile. And quite honestly, we lose track of them. So yeah, it's a hectic schedule. Yeah. I think I put the cart before the horse because for my audience, you know, they want to hear, well, what the heck does Barry do, right? <laughs> I'm talking about Vegas <laughs> and our fun times together at the Cadillac. I mean, I just see you as like just my, one of my close friends. So, but I guess we should step back and tell everybody about your history and your company and what you do, because you're right. You are a provider to multiple classes of real estate, as well as other industries. Tell everybody what you do. Yeah, so I've been in the mortgage industry for 33 years now. Started off in the default sector in the traditional mortgage, you know, working for a bank a mortgage company and kind of worked my way through the ranks, running default, 
at some smaller, what the time wasn't small, but you know, mid-sized shops back in the day, you know, hundred thousand plus loans type thing. And then ended up at Chase and spent many years there in a variety of different roles, but all over the country. Started with them in Columbus. I was in Denver. They moved me to San Diego and then eventually to Jacksonville. So and had a very wide range of duties while I was there. And then post Chase, I went into some things were more independent, some things were with other working for other companies, but I was in the technology space, the closing and title space, the asset management and disposition space, you know, you name it, ResNet, I worked for Accelerus, Orange Grid, single source, you know. I was at AH, did another stint at AHP and pre-REO for a very short time. I mean, yeah. So I had done a lot of different things. And one of the things that led me to what I'm doing today was, you know, I've had all that knowledge and all these different backgrounds and met and just knew so many different people and had so many different experiences. I was like, you know, I really want to do something on my own this time. And that was out of that came end-to-end solutions. And originally, when we first built the model, we built it as a comprehensive solution to a a definite problem in the eviction space, right? And I had seen it. I ran evictions back in the mid-90s, and then I got exposed to them again when I was back in servicing back in 2020. And the thing that amazed me was, and with all the technology advancements that have happened over that course of you know 25 years the process never really changed it, it was still this very fragmented like everybody kind of had their own little silo and you went and did your little task and then it went to the next task and you hoped it was coordinated <laughs> and you had an eviction coordinator sitting there working it and way too many times it wasn't and it was because of the different communication formats you know, whether that be email, phone calls, systems, you know, talking through the systems, whatever those communication portals were, they weren't really comprehensive. So you had, you were trying to put puzzle pieces together all the time. And a lot of times it just didn't work out. And you're getting a call from the sheriff going, hey, where's your crew? For what? <laughs> you know, you didn't even know they were there, right? And it's because somebody didn't take the voicemail that they got and put it into the system and somebody else didn't follow up with the attorney. And, you know, so I saw this cluster of information that, and again, this is over many years of experiencing it and thought, wow, there, there has to be a better way. And out of that became end to end where, you know, we have a single point of contact, a single system. And that single point of contact now is basically the quarterback back with it and all the information comes into the same portal and we communicate directly on that. And we've just really eliminated or greatly reduced because there's no such thing as perfectly eliminating, but we've greatly reduced the error rate on things, right? And so as an example, one of the big, you know, communication breakdowns is often between the eviction attorney and the servicing shop and then field representatives, whether that was going to be a local agent or a property preservation company or whoever it was, you now had to communicate all three and make sure that that juggling act was all done. And you had the update from the attorney to begin with, right? The correct information and then coordinating it with the field team and then getting the field team there. So the thing that we came up with at end to end was 
okay, let's make this holistic in a, approach as opposed to fragmented and be able to coordinate all of the interested parties so that all of the information, everybody's getting that information either live or very close to live as opposed to, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about that three weeks ago when I got that information. So, you know, cutting out the scramble, right? So that's what we built. And then the reception was actually, quite honestly, it was phenomenal. And we were dealing, now, mind you, this was in COVID. So there weren't really any evictions going on in the servicing world, but everybody got what we were selling immediately. Like, yeah, absolutely. This is a problem. You know, it wasn't like I had to tell them what the problem was. They knew what it was. But I just gave them the solution and, you know, which was very different. And what ended up happening out of that, though, and it's because of the partnership with, that we have with ADR, you know, the parent company, we had all these resources internally. And what ended up happening out of those calls were people liked the eviction platform so well. They're like, oh, what else can you do? And so, well, okay, I've done inspections in the SFR space. I've done foreclosures. I've done valuations. You, know, you name it. And we just, so basically out of that initial mold of, evictions, you know, we have now built a complete default suite. And that goes from everything from the, from your purchase of a note, you know, we can do a VPO, we can do an inspection, we can check on the HOAs, check on the, any code violations, all of that stuff, all the way through selling the property for you. So we've become a holistic, comprehensive solution to the entire default suite. And it doesn't need to be just default. I mean, again, a lot of our things are on the origination side. People are valuing pools or going and looking at properties, get boots on the ground to, hey, go take a look at this property and tell me what you think. So we've really built a, a holistic solution out of it. It's really, there's so much to unpack in what you said. And I'm going to take a step back for to for some of the layman's out there because you would think that, you know, people sit there that might not be real estate as a career or in our field where you're dealing with multiple dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of properties to manage, you know, it seems almost like, well, what do you mean? You, you've got a tenant that you're going to evict or, and you can't get him out of the house or you don't coordinate it. How do you lose track? But the reality of it is that guys like myself, you know, that own, a couple hundred prop loans, you know, or if you're a bank or any size investor, you know, you, this is a, this has always been a problem in our industry. And there have been groups that have tried to come along and solve for it, but you're right. They weren't, a lot of those groups weren't guys like you and I that have actually done the work and been through. It's different when you're someone who's actually managed hundreds, if not thousands of these processes manually and putting it together versus someone who's just like, oh, I know how to design websites, you know. But I also love the fact that, like you said, for note buyers, like those that listen to my podcast that are just getting in the business and maybe only have a, a couple of properties, this you basically step in, I'm assuming for a fee, as the asset manager. You're like an all-in-one asset manager from the time of a, a defaulted loan or not, like you said, a non I bet you, well, we'll get to, that's the other thing that Impact will get into is the, the single family rentals, but you can represent basically as an outside asset manager, the process to getting that property quickly in your hands, renovated if necessary, 
and sold out to the market for the highest dollar. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that is, you know, especially with the, we, where we see a lot of traction when we go to those note schools, right? People don't really know what they're getting into necessarily, right? And all the little nuances and all the different moving parts of it. And, and then they get into it and they're like, oh, no, I could do that. You know, I'm just going to evict them and foreclose. That's simple enough. The problem is, like, even as simple as that terminology is, we see a lot of clients come to us and, you know, they've done one or two. And we see their like foreclosure bills that they paid and you just, wow, or how much they paid for an eviction because basically they went, oh, I'm going to go get an attorney. And even if it's a foreclosure attorney, you know, if you're a one-off, you know, you're not going to get the pricing that we get, you know, because we're sending hundreds of deals over many, many years, right? So a lot of these people that are one-offs, they come in and you know, something that we might be able to get done for $1,000, you're going to pay $3,000 for it. Plus, you're not going to have any oversight over it. You're really not going to know, okay, well, what is the timeline in Cook County, Illinois, to get right. this done? I mean, right. you can look it up online, maybe get a ballpark. But if you, like, other than maybe a USFN guide, a lot of those resources are just not real accurate, especially, right. you know, even in this post-COVID era where the courts are just so backed up. You, know, you yeah. might look at Cobb County, Georgia, and go, "Hey, oh, it's thirty days to get a lockout." No, well, it's about six months. <laughs> I would, you know, if I was a young, yeah, exactly, you got to know the specific areas. And if I was a newbie to the business, a new time investor, I would see the value of using your services, no doubt, because you've already got, I'm sure, brokers on the ground in every city, every little crevice of this country. And, you know, and and so you meld that, that years of experience on the ground, the network of people that you guys deal with, with your, you know, systemization and your communication, like, like. For instance, you know, it just seems like a win-win. Now, and then obviously it's a no-brainer when you're dealing with hundreds of assets, right? If you you have to systemize it. And I do want to talk about the SFR, but I want to push that back to after I ask you one more question about your business, which is like, you know, I mean, you're basically a workflow artist, you know, and you bring years of experience and the knowledge of the local markets to that workflow, you know, artistry. So, like, what sort of default operations management workflows really kind of achieve the best results for your clients? So, and that's a great question, Bill, because if you have any experience with notes and having them serviced by, having them serviced as you need to have them, right, by a licensed contractor, you notice there's a lot of breakdowns in that process. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. You have to understand the way that our system, for lack of a better word, has always worked was you have a foreclosure department, you have a loss mitigation department, you have a bankruptcy department, you have an REO department, right? The problem that you run into, and it doesn't, you don't have to be big for this problem to happen is you get people have their fiefdoms and their only concern is what happens in foreclosure, right? They don't really care about, hey, what happened in the workout and how that led to the foreclosure or what happens in the transition from the foreclosure to the eviction department, to the REO department, right? 
everybody kind of takes their siloed approach to it. And again, it goes back to what I started with is the breakdown of communication. They're not incentivized from end to end, right? They're incentivized to get my job done and get it out. Right. Right. You make a very good point. I'm just going to interject with a little story of my own. Do you know how many times I've actually ended up back in my days when I was when we ran an REO brokerage as well as investing? You know how many times I ended up with an REO, put it on the market. You know, it was like got an assignment from, you know, Equator or one of those systems, put it on the market, got it in contract only to find out that the foreclosure was done incorrectly to begin with. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they had to start over. So go ahead. Oh, no. And that, that is not uncommon. We had seen it. I mean, I had experienced it myself selling it, of being the seller <laughs> where title for whatever reason wasn't pulled at the right time. And you got to closing table and found out you didn't own the property. So make no mistake, that stuff happens. And it's not infrequent. I just myself bought an REO property two and a half years ago. And I was waiting, I sold my house, waiting to move in in like two days, literally moved all my stuff up and they couldn't close because they did not have clear title yet. And nobody had told me. And again, so that turned out to be a personal nightmare for me. That was about five months and a lot of money moving several times and all of my things. So again, that's a perfect example of the lack of continuity of process. And that's the solution that we bring into the play is that we aren't siloed like that, that what your responsibility is the foreclosure. And then you get incentivized on that. Your incentivization is the entire process from the time of acquisition all the way through the disposition. So we live and breathe that asset through the entire process flow. And that's what makes us different. And and I think if I kind of wish the servicing side took a different holistic approach to it, I think there'd be a lot more happy people in the, you know, especially in the note buying side that would get a better result. Well, absolutely. I mean, you play right into a lot of what I pitch to investors on the portfolio management side of the business. You know, our special sauce is that we are the ones sitting there being the end-to-end solution during the NPL process, right? So we're keeping an eye on what the servicers doing, the lawyers are doing, the brokers on the ground, the borrowers, you know, and no one, like you said, in the servicing world, again, it's still siloed. Yes, in theory, the servicer is supposed to be overseeing all of that, but who's overseeing the servicer? And most asset managers that I work with at even my favorite servicers have a a thousand properties assigned to them. So, you know, for me, I have a team just of people just looking at 700. So, you know, my entire staff of a dozen is overseeing, you know, and in your case, you know, you've got more people overseeing plus the technology just makes a ton of sense, you know. It's good stuff. Well, let me turn to, because you mentioned the the not just the distressed properties. There's a lot of folks out there that are institutional players that I think, or semi-institutional that have built up pretty decent portfolios in the single family rental space. I saw somebody sent me an article the other day that predicted that 40% of residential real estate might be owned by institutions by 2050 or 2040 or something like that. It was a pretty staggering number because that's the one part of real estate 
that still hasn't become institutionalized. We saw it grow in the last 10 years with the invitation homes, American Homes for Rent, Colony, you know, all of these groups that came in. And those folks now are probably just be, just as they look to bring hundreds of properties into their portfolio the last 10 years, they are probably looking to exit some of those. What's the word on the street right now? What are you seeing? Well, that market has made a dramatic shift in the last year. It went from they were buying anything that stood on the ground to not buying anything. And we have seen a tremendous slowdown because we do a lot of the pre-purchase inspections through our company as well. And they've just, they've fallen to zero. Literally, we would have months where we'd have 500 from one buyer, 550 inspection door you know single door inspections to zero we've done zero in the last you know eight nine months wow it's yeah dramatically different right now but we're seeing a lot of unique companies out there companies like divi companies like easy knock that have you know the purchase leaseback type of models uh-huh. we're seeing a lot of that and there are several of those are our clients now so we're seeing a lot of diversification in that. And you will see properties come out of that. We What we haven't seen is you know the bigger shops, we haven't seen them trading portfolios or oh. putting a whole lot of that back out in the market. We do, we do have a significant size client that sends their listings through us. We do some of the workload for them. It's been light, we'll call it. You know, we're talking, when I say light, you know, 12 properties a month, 10 properties a month. And you're talking about groups that have huge portfolios. Do you think it's an inflection Um, point, Barry? Do you think it's like they've slowed down from a year ago buying? It's almost like the big chip, you know, that's going kind of getting ready to turn, you know? Maybe that that they're going to start now turning and selling properties? Or what what do you predict? We haven't seen that. And I'm not predicting that we will. I think that that's part of the reason why people aren't buying them and they aren't selling right now is because of of the return. You know, the rate of return right now has shrunk dramatically with the interest rate environment that we're facing, the escalation of prices. Right. It's this market is not what it was three years ago, a year and a, a year ago. It's dramatically different. So that's one of the complaints that we're hearing is. You can't get the ROI on these, which is why everybody's sitting tight right now. Now, what does that mean a year from now? <laughs> it's very hard to predict. You know, where do right. interest rates go? If we see this steady increase in interest rates, it we might be looking at a stagnant market. However, the demand for these rental properties, on the other hand, has just been insatiable. So we're seeing a lot of build to rent activity, but not in the pre-existing. You know, there just yeah. hasn't been much trade going on there. And I guess if you're if build to rent is not really your business, I mean, you, it doesn't. You, there's not much end to end solution to provide on something that's coming out of the ground. Well, yeah, you you laugh, but there actually we do some work in that space because you get the QC. You know, even though it's a new build, I mean, you have some defects, right? So we have to do a QC track on those to make sure. Hey, do the windows work? You know, faucets leaking? Just you know, the oh, AC is cool. working properly. So we do get – that is some of our space. So we go oh, to those conferences. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, the valuation, you know, that, those type of things. And people still pull valuations on that. You know, what, what's our portfolio look like? So we do still dabble 
even in that build to rent space. And then let's face it, you move people in, there's people who got to move out in three months. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, you know, true. We, yeah, we get some quick turns on the evictions there as well. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. And we're certainly going to have you back regular guest on our podcast. And at some point, we're going to dig into this is a whole nother conversation for another day. But starting an eviction business in COVID when evictions were shut down, man, I give you credit. I gotta say, that's a ball. But I will say, I do know who your partners are. I know you very well. And I know that, you know, you are who you say you are and you guys do good, deliver good work and, and they're going to really kind of be, you know, right at the point where if any inventory really starts to flow, I mean, everyone, I'm, I'm sure the phone's going to be ringing off the hook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the kind words, Bill. Just to kind of give you a real quick summation on this. We have one client right now that we're doing. It, it, it was supposed to be up by 5,000. It's probably going to be around 3,500 cash for keys offers in their portfolio. Wow. So it, you know, back to your, where do you see this market headed? There's a lot of eviction work out there, which is going to end up being, whether that's going to be remarketed properties or what have you, don't kid yourself that, hey, that there's plenty of activity going on right now. It's just stuff that's really just started again because, you know, because of COVID. And there was a right. lot of really And the cost there. of things are so high now that, you know, with the inflationary levels of the last few years, people moved into houses where they were paying two grand a, a month rent reasonably comfortably. Now, two years later, that if that rent's gone up a couple points and with all the other expenses, there is, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of, that's kind of, you know, the one, maybe the unspoken thing is that there's a lot of squatters, so to speak, right now out there. Uh, there well, and then even official squatters. <laughs> there, we, I mean, we've got one client that sends us about 50 a month. One wow. client. So, yeah, it's pervasive. Well, you are the end-to-end solution, Barry. I'm so glad that we finally got you on the podcast. And any last words for my for the world? I appreciate it, Bill. Hey, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Can't wait until we get a chance to get together again. And yeah, look forward to doing more of these in the future. Sounds good, my pal. You do such a great job with them. <laughs> Barry Owens <laughs> with the Real Estate Lowdown. That's a wrap of today's episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. I enjoy bringing this content to you each and every week, and I really appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please share the Real Estate Lowdown or any episode, any favorite episode with your friends, family, and you know, if you don't mind, leave a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to follow us so you don't do get notified every time a new episode is released. Love to hear from you directly at billbymel.com. Till then, see you next time. <laughs>